Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, January 4th. I apologize for not showing up yesterday and not having a show. This was so incredibly um, unlike me. But, you know, as we're going to continue to say, when things get rough, the last thing I can do is put on makeup and pretend like all is good because life is still life. And uh, that's all. That's all, folks. But I'm here today and I'm actually happy about it that I didn't do an episode yesterday because today we have a triple threader. Triple threat. All right, are you ready? Today, in the next hour, we are going to be discussing three phenomenal episodes of TV. One being good, one being really good, in my opinion, and one being award-winning, groundbreaking insane. You can't even make the shit up. How in the world was this a TV show that we were all like ready to give up a couple years ago? Holy moly, y'all. Today is, is the Bravo Real Housewives episode. I'm not even going to talk about current news. I'm not even going to talk about anything else because there's nothing that is groundbreaking in the news world that we need to talk about that we can, can't talk about tomorrow. We can talk a little bit about, you know, the, the summer house drama or the uh, Tom Sandoval and a tiger and Lala calling him out. Like, we'll get there. We'll get there when we have more time. But that ain't today. Not today, Satan. Today is a day re- dedicated to three cities, 500 women, because the casts are so large, I feel like, on some of these shows all kinds of climates and things that happened in the last couple, you know, few months that we're all seeing, you know, come out onto, uh, you know, we're seeing it all come out and come alive. We are seeing it all. So today we will be talking about Beverly Hills. We'll be talking about, of course, Miami and then Without a doubt, we will be talking about Salt Lake City. So don't you worry. We're getting to it all. I do have a hard out today because I have an appointment. So all I can do is get right to it. Welcome to the show. Thank you for subscribing, those of you that are new here. And thank you for following on, um, you know, podcasts, Apple Podcasts and the reviews. I do get like this one. You know, it's so funny. And I really don't like to give this so much attention, but I have to. People don't think that I recognize usernames, but I do. And there is a username. Um, I'm just going to not say it out loud, but she, and you know who you are, you girl, same username on Reddit, same username on the podcast uh, uh, reviews. She is just comes back for a one-star review, a new one-star review every, every couple weeks. So girl, and your name rhymes with Shamessa. I know who you are. I see you. And maybe you're just trying to get me to say hi. And so for that, I'm saying hi to you. Shout out to you. 
And hopefully, because I know you're listening and watching every episode for months, um, hopefully you enjoy this one. So welcome. Okay, let's start. I've decided that I want to start from something that I thought was the least to the most, you know? So I'm going to start really fast with Real Housewives of Miami. I watched both Miami and Beverly Hills this morning before I jumped on to uh, do the show. And I just, I mean, I don't know. I watched Salt Lake City two times last night. Nothing can beat it. I feel like after Salt Lake City, I feel like I'm watching PBS. But a show is still a show. Miami is still incredible. And essentially, this episode of Miami was the Mother's Day. What what Marisol uh, smartly, smartly, um, you know, named this the Mother's Day Massacre. Nicole threw a Mother's Day luncheon. Why would you throw this group a Mother's Day luncheon? I don't know. But she felt the need to throw a beautiful Mother's Day luncheon. She had one of those poets. Have you ever been to an event where they they have those poets? I was at a wedding once in Austin, Texas, and they had one of those poets. So you go and like you just say a couple things and they write a beautiful poem about you. It's actually really cool. Um, so Nicole decides to have this luncheon. And the big drama was the fact that Anna Quinones was invited. Now, I'm going to be honest. I did not watch Real Houses of Miami uh, more than just maybe a few episodes of the first season back in like 2013. I just didn't. However, um, I do know who she is, who Anna Quinones is, just because I've heard her name. She's been on a couple like podcasts and radio shows that I've heard over the years, but I have never watched the like the majority of it. I didn't know, you know, all the drama and like shout out to what is his name? David Yontef from Be- Behind the Velvet Rope. Like his name and I mean, his podcast was all over that show. I'm like, oh my God, he really got a lot of free publicity on that one. But apparently this woman, Anna Quinones, was in their world and really made Marisol feel horrible, talked badly about all these people. Now, I've I've, I've talked about this before. I can't stand Alexia. I don't know what it is about her that triggers me the way Dorit triggers Garcelle. I can't stand her. She gets under my skin. Maybe it's the fact that Alexia does not know how to listen. She doesn't know how to just sit and listen. She always needs to be talking, making a face, getting in, getting involved. And it's hard for me to see that on a show. Like the, all these women talk a lot, but it, that kind of behavior is just really hard for me. I don't like that. I like someone that can sit back and just take it in for a little bit. She's always thinking about what can I say next? Um, but she gets very upset immediately because she sees that name card at Nicole's brunch. And she's like, who's this Anna? And Anna doesn't really, know, I mean, sorry, Nicole doesn't really know Anna. You can tell she's re- briefly met her, but I truly believe, and maybe I'm naive, but I truly believe that, that Nicole really just, maybe I'm crazy here to believe this, but I don't think Nicole is a malicious person in any way. I've never felt that way about her. And I don't believe that she was able to, um, she, I don't believe that she did this intentionally, you know, invited Anna to give Alexia and Mary saw a hard time, but Adriana is the culprit here. And Adriana is also someone that I can't stand. I've talked about this. Both Adriana and Alexia are just challenging for me, their personalities. But Adriana obviously tried to get Anna invited to this lunch. Nicole was like, okay, sure. Um, I guess. Yeah. If she's your friend, I know her. Like I've known, I've heard of her. Great. Like, I just feel like Nicole was just open for like the more the merrier. She's mother. It's mother's day. 
Alexia and Marisol storm out. They freak out over this. Marisol completely changes the story, says that Anna wanted her dead, which is totally not the case, right? Anna didn't want her dead, but Anna's daughter, which is still wrong, called her like the crypt keeper, like that she looks like a rotting corpse, like something really bad. So I understand why Marisol doesn't love her, but she never wanted her dead. Like, it's not like she put out a hit on her family. Um, but that's just who they are. They are completely, completely just like, I don't know. I just find Alexia and Marisol to be like too, like, wah, 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 wah. like I, I can't handle it. And honestly, if I have to hear them call each other bro, now tell me, is this something that I'm missing? Because the bro, calling a girl, a woman to a woman, calling them bro, it's so confusing to me. Is this a cultural thing that I don't know? Is this like, because my son calls me bra. Hey, bra, bra, bra. And I'm like, why are you calling? Uh, I'm mom. I'm not even a boy. I mean, let's stop doing that, right? Now, they're good TV. Well, Marisol is great TV, and I love her confessionals. I love her one-on-ones. But it, they immediately, I can't do this. I can't do this. They made it about them. They jumped out of there, right? They got out of there. They ran out. Then, of course, Lisa Hochstein and or or I don't know now because Nicole confused me on how she said her last name. Is it Hochstein? Is it Hochstein? Came into the um, the dinner or the luncheon with Larsa in a Honda Corolla or something like that, like, you know, a lower uh, lower level of car than she's used to driving. I thought that was kind of funny. And um, they come in and they start realizing that everyone's leaving because of this Anna. Now, Larsa actually made me laugh for the first time, I think, ever. When she said something along the lines of, wait, do I need to be nervous about this, Anna? Like, I don't know what I should be worried about. Should I leave? I just thought that was kind of funny. Larsa was around during these times. Nicole was not. And Larsa didn't even know what the big drama was. So obviously, this is something that is so niche and small that Alexia and Marisol like lost their shit. They knew or they felt. And honestly, they probably did kind of know that it was a sneak attack against them. But it wasn't from Nicole. It was from Adriana. And Adriana didn't get any of the hard time from them, only Nicole. And I think that continues next week, right? So anyway, um, the the first beginning of the lunch, Lisa is losing her mind because she can't, she's very upset with Julia and some of the other women because she feels like they undermined her as a parent from when she had the police call to her house with Lenny. And then she still ended up at Julia's opera house or opera singer thing, whatever. And, opera, and Julia had talked to her and said something along the lines of, I, um, I think that you are, you know, aren't you worried about the kids? Something like that. Which, by the way, like, I don't think, I truly don't think that Julia was trying to call Lisa out as a mother. I just think it was confusing. Like, we've all been there, right? When you're going through something really challenging at home, if you have like a really hard thing going on in your life, and then you see someone like out at a premiere party, you're like, is, why is this more important than what's happening at home? And you can think it, but I don't know. I Listen, Lisa, I have my issues with her, but I truly think she loves those kids. I love her scenes with her son. I don't know. They're they're cute. I think it's very cute. But Julia offended Lisa because I think Lisa, and this is just in my, maybe my opinion, I think Lisa was feeling extra sensitive about that. Maybe she had heard it in the press. Maybe she had heard it around other people. And she, and maybe, you know, obviously around Lenny, Lenny's probably said it to her and Lenny's mother, that horrible Marina woman probably said it to her too. So she probably felt a little bit confused why, you know, why someone that she considered her friend was also making her feel bad about something that was already a really sensitive subject. We've all been there. I'm not going to blame her for being offended by that. 
Don't worry, they kissed and made up in the most uncomfortable little flashback scene later. So the lunch goes on. It gets a little heated. Kiki gets really pissed off at Adriana. Kiki cracks me up. She cracks me up and she got out of there. She left. Gertie, and we're going to get to Gertie in just a second. Gertie broke my damn heart in this episode. When I tell you, and I am emotional right now. I am. I'm going through something. I cried. I sobbed in, in her scenes. I'm a boy mom. And I, I just, the relationship she has with her husband and her kids, it's just so special. I sobbed over her scenes today. Um, so then she, uh, you know, Gertie's like, I'm out. I'm having my surgery tomorrow. And honestly, seriously, F these women. F all of them from top to bottom. The only one that I like is Nicole. I mean, seriously. I, I mean, I like watching all of them, but the only one I truly like is Nicole and, and Gertie. Nicole and Gertie are the only ones that I actually think I could ever relate to and be friends with. Even Julia is kind of a little out there because she's so close with Adriana, which is still confusing to me. But I love, love, love Gertie so much. And like, can you imagine going into a mastectomy the next day and you're having a Mother's Day luncheon and you feel probably in your mind that it's going to be very special for you, that maybe many people are going to speak to you and give you toasts and give you love and prayers. And this is what you get. It's like so obvious when you watch something like this, like the clear difference between people who are like good people and people who are bad people. And it makes you hate all those other women in the show when you saw the next scene, which is Gertie getting rolled into her surgery and being so scared. And when I tell you, when she got on the phone with her mom and dad and her dad prayed for her and all she wanted was to hear her mom at the end of the conversation and Gertie was staying strong. Like normally the kid is the one that's crying to the parents. Like whenever I'm going through something tough and I get on the phone with my mom, instant tears, right? But Gertie was like staying strong for her family. And then she said, bizu, bizu, mom, bizu, bizu, jatem, which means, you know, kiss, kiss, I love you. And ma and mom, was, I love you. Couldn't. Done. Done. I don't know if it's having a relationship with your mother that's special. I don't know if it's having a relationship as a, as a mother that's special that you connect to that. Done. Like whenever my mom cried, when I was growing up, I, I haven't seen her cry in a very long time, but whenever my mom cried, instant. Is there something like that? Dylan does that too. When Dylan sees me cry, he starts to cry. Oliver's like, can I get a snack? But Dylan does. So that was such a beautiful scene. And Russell, guys, does Russell not deserve husband of, of the Housewives universe? Is he just not the most kind, calm, loving husband and father that we've ever seen on this show. He's so not an attention whore like all the other ones. He's so not all about him. It's like he is here just to support Gertie and his children. He is literally an ultimate father and husband. Like a dream, dreamboat, right? None of it was about him. He never made it about anything on this show has ever been about Russell. It's incredible. So beautiful. So, of course, he gets emotional. She gets emotional. He, you know, she wheels away. He's calming her down. And then sure enough, she comes out of surgery eventually fine in a little bit of pain, obviously very out of it. He come, He brings her home, but she's okay. And just to kind of wrap up the Gertie conversation, the way that her, 
her boy took care of her. With the Gatorade and the frame and the cards. As a mother, like, see, that's the thing. Like, moms don't need a lot. Moms need, like, kids to say, like, Dylan, like, if I'm sad and he sees it, like, all he says is, like, can I give you a hug? Or, like, can I get you some water? Or sometimes, like, Dylan will just take my hand and he'll be like, it's going to be okay. I'm telling you, it is – it's a special bond between boys and their moms. That I know. I don't have a girl. But I know the special bond between boys and their moms. And they were hurting. Those boys were scared because my boys can't handle it. Like, I fell down my stairs yesterday, you guys. This was a crazy story. And this is a side note. I have, like – probably like 12 stairs going up to my bedroom and it's wood floor. And you know, it's so cold right now. So I was wearing fuzzy socks, you know, those like slipper socks, but they don't have um, like rubber on the bottom. So they're very, I guess they're very slippery. I've never felt slippery before. And it was like, you know, nine, 10 in the morning and I'm on a phone call. So I'm on speaker and I'm holding a coffee and I'm walking down the stairs just as I do 5,000 times a day, up, down, up, down, up, down. In the middle of the night when my kids wake up, you know, after some cocktails, I've walked up and down those stairs in pitch black. No problem. When I tell you I walked down two stairs, I flew. I slipped so hard and fell so hard on my back onto my ground. Like I went all the way down. I don't even know what happened. I was on the phone call. So my friend Molly was like, oh my God, do I need to call 911? I mean, I gashed my elbows. Both my elbows are in pain. I have a bruise that is this big on my butt. Like it's so painful. It like kept me up last night. I couldn't sleep. But the way that my kids took care of me when I told them and I showed them the bruise, that is the thing about boys. Maybe moms are, maybe daughters are this way. You guys tell me. But boys are so caring for their parents, for their moms. That scene got me. And after seeing that and then seeing Nicole, and I love Nicole's life. I really do. I love Nicole and her husband. Is it Anthony and, or not husband, boyfriend and their, you know, their family and her heart, how she called Russell and was like, I'll be there for you. I just really, really love Gertie and Nicole. And those are the only two that I ever want to be around. Now, we do know that Gertie eventually needed a second surgery and she did eventually need chemo because she came to BravoCon. I mean, we've seen this and she lost her hair looking insanely amazing. But as I know, as far as I know, she's cancer free at this moment. So I hope, hope, hope that she is okay because there is no one more deserving right now. Like after watching that to have a clean bill of health. Oh my God. Um. I just can't stand Adriana. I can't stand Alexia. Like, mean girl central. I'm out. I just want a Gertie Nicole show. Those are the two that I love. All right. More stuff happened. Oh, yeah. The drunk kiss between Julia and Lisa. Did anyone feel that was so awkward? Now, I don't want to, like, say, oh, because she's a lesbian. But the truth is she is a lesbian, right? She is a lesbian. So she does like women. And when we saw that they were so drunk, like in the flashback later when Julia was talking about this, and what's her name? Oh, I like Kiki too. That's right. And what's her name? Lisa was laying on some sort of like chair, a chaise lounge or whatever. I don't even know. And Julia bends over and is like in her face like this, like me in the microphone, right? A long kiss on the lips and then just talking to her. I love you. 
I love you and I don't want to fight with you and I love you. And Lisa's like, are you trying to blank me? I thought to myself, Martina's going to be okay with that? You're straight up kissing another woman on the lips, like in a very intimate way. It's not like, you know, it's not like I love you. It's like, I love you. Like, I actually think that if Lisa would have kissed her back, Julia would have kissed. Like, I feel like they would have made out. I thought it was very weird. That was almost awkward. I felt like we were watching some private, uh, intimate moment that Lisa was like, wait, what's going on? Right. But that could be something that I'm just like imagining. I'm just like imagining, but I don't know. Anyway, I mean, she obviously wasn't scared to share it and talk about it the next day. So maybe Martina didn't care at all. But I do really, really love um, Gertie and Nicole. Okay. Shall we move on to Beverly Hills? Because we got to save the best for last. Let's go to Beverly Hills. So Real Houses of Beverly Hills picks up at the Denise and Erica argument. Okay, I'm just going to be honest. Denise needs to not be back on the show. She really doesn't. Like, I need Denise to stay away from the show. Why? Because Denise is not at the level, whether it's intelligence, whether it's soberness, whether it's smarts. I don't think Denise is at the level that that Eric, like that to, for any of them. Like, I think even Kim Richards can do better than Denise. I don't know why. I just... I can't handle it. Like she, she's, she's fun to watch, like in maybe a funny scene, but not in that kind of scene. She had no leg to stand on, right? It was a weird conversation. So, so Denise, Denise and um, Erica start going off and Erica basically has that comment. Like who makes more money on OnlyFans? You or your daughter, Sammy. And listen, Erica has all the right to be like, Denise, what are you talking about? Miss moral playground? Like, Moral ground, moral playground, moral ground. Like what, what moral high ground are you speaking on? Miss, you know, only fans, sex, like very sex positive woman who's talked so openly on the show about sex on a show that is going to be aired. It doesn't matter if it's in front of your daughters or not. Let's be honest. And your kids can watch the show. You've been naked on show or like, uh, you know, boobs out on movies. Like it's really like trying to find something. It's like, you know, needle in a haystack. What can I fight with Erica about? It made no sense. Didn't you guys feel like it was just like, it felt like a, a, it almost felt like a Whitney and her husband argument on Salt Lake City. Like we need to have a story. So let's pretend our marriage is in shambles. So it just didn't work for me. Um, But the most important part of that scene was when Dorit had mentioned the word attacked. You, I feel attacked or you are attacking me, Garcelle. And we're going to get there in just a moment. Um, so the Denise and Erica fight kind of went nowhere. Denise, like, you know, pushed on Erica the idea of $20 million, you know, the whole Tom Girardi thing. It felt like such a random low blow, but also not like it didn't hit. Like it didn't do what she thought it was going to do, you know? Um, a couple other things that I thought were interesting in the show, like I said, I don't, you know, recap line by line. Of course, we had the the Sutton and her date situation, which I think is very entertaining to watch. Sutton's um, matchmaker is basically the new Patty Stinger. I mean, she's on every single episode. I feel like we're watching Millionaire Matchmaker, right? Sutton hearing the feedback from her date with Sal was the best thing ever. I mean, can't we all relate? Like who wants to hear feedback from a man after your date with him? Like 
awful, awful, right? But Sutton eventually does go out on another date with a really sweet man. He's some sort of sales guy. It looks to me like Sutton was really trying to, you know, lift up the spirits and have fun. He was a good looking guy and he was into her and he got her number. So he... For Sutton, I think she had a good episode. I do. I And I loved it. Like, it wasn't focused on her drinking. I thought it was a good episode. Um, Let's talk for a second about Crystal. So Crystal, again, is, like, being utilized in the show as an accessory. I hate to say that because I actually really like Crystal. And I think that, um, you know, her family is like beyond adorable. I really like her husband. I've met both of them. I've told you that I've met both of them. And I actually just saw him the other day at a restaurant. I really like him. He's a kind human being. Like seriously, he, he didn't owe me anything like, but he was a really nice guy. She's wonderful. I truly like them and their kids are adorable. I don't know how her kids are in real life. Like, I don't know that much about her, but I really, really like her. Um, her, her scenes are such like fillers and it's very confusing for me. Now, one thing that she did talk about in her, and of course they had a Passover episode, which, or a Passover dinner, which of course, as someone that, you know, openly talks about being Jewish, she is a great, great representation of Judaism. I love that she's Chinese and still supportive of the Jewish culture and how she's talked about how important it is and the holidays and the togetherness. I think that's very important where we are right now, you know, given the current, um, you know, situation in the world, I really like, like any positive uh, reflections of that personally. She talked about her eating disorder, which how many of us can relate to whether or not you do, sorry, trigger warning, whether or not you actually do have an eating disorder or not anything like that. There is no doubt that for most women, watching skinny people around you, if, if ever you've had any issues with your weight, is very hard. Now, I can speak to this firsthand being an LA girl. Um, in the last year, so many of my girlfriends like withered, withered away, right? So I imagine it's a mix of Ozempic or maybe just plain old, you know, starvation. I don't know. But so many of my girlfriends literally withered away in front of me while I was still like living it up and eating anything and drinking anything and doing whatever I wanted to be. It was a very, very hard time for me because the more and more times I would hang out with them and take pictures, all I would see would be my double chin, would be my big arms, you know, things that you you would never maybe normally see because when you compare yourself to people your size, it's not the same. And then all of a sudden you're comparing people to people like you haven't seen someone in two months and they're half the, the body. It's so strange. Um so I appreciate her talking about that. I thought it was really, really brave for her to say it's distracting. It's distracting to watch their bodies and to be able to like stay in present moment. But I truly believe that she should be utilized more. She has a big company, the Coconut Water Company. She's an entrepreneur. She's very, uh, you know, philanthropic. Like she has a big life here in Los Angeles. I find it really odd. Really odd. Like I, I almost feel like we learn more about Anne-Marie that annoying new uh, newcomer that's going to be on next week's episode, again, talking about the damn esophagus. It's like we learn more about her in one episode than we've ever known about Crystal. It's like, it's fine. It's odd to me. Um, So I hope we, sh we see more of that. Kim and Kyle's scene, like give me a show of just the Richards and the Hilton sisters three hours a day, five days a week. Their dynamic is so insane to me. Now, Zach Peter, my friend, and a lot of you guys told me to read House of Hilton. And I 
did download it on my Kindle, but I haven't gotten to it because I'm still finishing another book. It's there. I'm going to be reading it. Apparently, you learn a lot about Big Kathy in that book. Um, this is what I find hard. So in this scene, Kim is talking to Kyle. I thought the scene was going to go a different way because Kim was like, who are you going to be bringing to Whitney's wedding? Basically, I thought she was going to say, like, are you leaving Mauricio home and are you bringing Morgan? But she didn't. She meant, are we going to talk about your relationship with Kathy? At this point, um, Kyle and Kathy are not getting along, right? Remember, they were not getting along. And what Kyle says, I find very interesting. So she says, and she's immediate, she cannot, Kyle cannot have conversations about her sister, about Kathy without crying. Do you notice that? Like she's so, um, she's so emotional about any time she brings up her mom or, or Kathy Hilton. And she gets into that really like, uh, like raspy hard to get out of voice thought. She can't really talk when she cries. And she starts talking about how she doesn't like how Kathy gets mean to her. She said, Kathy has a streak of her that's very mean. Now we've all seen it. We didn't see it on Beverly Hills, but we saw it on, on Paris and Love. Kathy is not a very good person in my opinion. I mean, Paris and Love was a very, very indicative um, showing of who Kathy Hilton really is. Like smile on the outside, bitch on the inside, right? Now she was Kyle was very, very upset at the way that she says Kathy talks to her. She mentioned how when they were at an event or at the club or whatever, and the DJ was saying something and Kathy wanted to go and how she went, looked at Kyle and she was like, we're going right now, right now. And she said it like that. And Kyle was like, I don't like that she talks to me that way. Did any of you guys stop and think, well, how come Kyle talks to Kim and Sutton that way? Kyle is to Kim and Sutton, maybe not the season for Kim, but Kyle is to Kim and Sutton or anyone that Kyle doesn't like the way that Kathy is to Kyle. The way that, Kim, that Kyle attacked Kim in that limo in 2010, which Zach and I are going to be covering because, you know, we're covering the first season of, of Beverly Hills um, on my Patreon. I'm sorry, does Kyle not forget that she can be an awful human being and really, really mean as well? Remember last season when she pulled Sutton's arm and said, don't do that. Like, why is she forgetting? And then she's like, my home, we never fight. Number one, you got four daughters, 5,000 dogs, and you're saying there's no fighting in that house? What? Like, what world do you think we live in that four sisters are never fighting? Or do they live in the freaking, you know, uh, prairie house, whatever it's called, Little House on a Prairie, like she did on a show? You don't think that Kyla Mauricio have ever gotten in it, into it? Ever? What kind of relationship is that? Like, it's a little bit pot calling kettle black and I don't like it. It feels a little bit like manipul manipulative for the scene because Kyle loves to be. Um, and listen, I actually really, I'm coming around on Kyle a lot of times because I'm feeling for her in a lot of these scenes. But this part about Kyle bothers me because it feels like I am the good girl. I play the good girl. I'm just like hurt by people's bad behavior. I don't like confrontation, the hummingbird. Like I want to give things to my sisters. I love everyone. It's like, poor me, poor me, poor me. But you're actually kind of a bad person too. 
And if she has never fought with her family, if she and her husband have never gotten in a fight in the house, if her sister, if the daughters have never fought, I'm telling you, she does not have a healthy inside because that means she's holding all of it in. And maybe that's what's really happening. Maybe she and Mauricio never fought for years and years and years and years because she was holding all the shit in. And now she's finally unable to do that. So who knows? Oh, apparently to you guys, you guys are telling me that Jeff Lewis live booked Kyle as a guest. Oh, that's awesome. I'm excited for that. Um, so anyway, okay. But that scene was very sad when they were talking about their mom. And I just love Kim Richards. Like, give me more. Um, and then let's finally get into the Dar- Dorit Garcelle lunch. That was so incredibly awkward. So incredibly awkward. The two of them, um, they went to a restaurant here uh, nearby. It's an Encino. The way that they sit together, it's like strangers. It's like ex-friends. I mean, it's really awkward. We all felt it, right? Like they, the cameras like even showed the awkwardness. And finally, um, you know, the 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 ice was broken. And here's what I'm going to say about this. There's a lot of conversations on my Facebook group and there's a lot of conversations online about this. I do believe that everyone has their own experiences in life. I do believe that words that Dorit doesn't understand as being offensive or triggering or hurtful to a woman who stands in very different shoes than her is not, is not um, a defense for Dorit. I think that everyone's allowed to make a mistake. And I, I agree with Erica that Dorit just didn't know because I truly don't think Dorit knew that she did it. She was taught it. And I understand that people are saying, you know, Garcelle, it's not our opportunity to educate, but honestly, I would love to be able to educate people about certain things if they don't know about it. So I think this is a learning experience for a lot of people right now. I do. I think it's a learning experience for a lot of people who don't understand that certain words can be upsetting or bothersome or triggering for other people who have different life experiences than them, who stand in different shoes, right? I would like to see that Dorit took it more to heart. I don't believe at the end of the day that she actually fully, truly believed that Garcelle was being honest and sincere in her feelings. My gut feeling is that Dorit was still on the defense and she was still trying to kind of almost like diminish Garcelle's feelings. Because when Garcelle said, I didn't sleep or I cried for two days over this, I was so triggered. Dorit made a face, something along the lines of like, and that face says, I don't believe you. And if you rewatch it, you'll see it. It's not a face of like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Right? It's a face of like, really? Are you seriously kind of, you know, pretend that like this bothered you that much? Which makes me think that Dorit did not understand. I would like for my heart to believe that Dorit understood and will take it to heart. And I don't think she'll ever use those words again, but I don't think she fully understands. And she did bring up the fact that she was Jewish. And I didn't love that because that's like weaponizing this idea of like, well, I'm Jewish and you're Jewish. And yes, you can both be from marginalized communities, but different words bother different communities, right? For example, I'm just going to be honest. If someone says 
to me that I'm cheap, you know, it, it has a different connotation because coming from a Jewish background, that is like a trigger word, right? That is the thing that people say, a stereotypical like trope, the big nose, the cheap. So everyone has their own things. And that's what we have to understand. You cannot live in a bubble if you're talking to people that are not in that bubble with you. You have to be able to understand other people's. And yes, there's a lot of you guys out there that think that Garcelle was being too dramatic and everything's about race. And I'm going to say, it ain't your fight. Like it's Garcelle's story. I would like, you know, someone to offend exactly who you are in your life, in this moment, whatever color skin you have, whatever community you're from, whatever religion you are, I want you to under, I want someone to say something that offends you. And then for them to say, you don't have a right to be offended. That's not okay. Validation is so important. And in life, when you say something that hurts someone's feelings, that triggers them, that bothers them, it doesn't matter if you get it or not. It doesn't matter if you understand it or not. It doesn't matter if you connect with it or think they're being, you know, dramatic, overly sensitive, as a lot of people like to say, crazy. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Don't tell me how I'm feeling because I'm feeling it. It doesn't matter if you agree or not. So... What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I think, you know, it's tricky and I see it straight up in the comments right now. So I, I, I truly, truly see, you know, the, the discourse. I think there's a discourse, a strong discourse out there. But at the end of the day, Laura said it so perfectly right now. Shout out Laura. Laura Richardson met her in Vegas at Amy Phillips show. Laura Richardson says, and you don't even have to understand completely, but you do have to be empathetic to their feelings. You and Russell are characters of the hour. Okay, Laura? Exactly. That's exactly it. Um, okay. We have to get to it, you guys. I have about 25 minutes until, or 20 minutes until I have to get out of here. We got to get on this. You guys, Real Housewives of goddamn Salt Lake City. Holy, and I said the GD word in there. I know a lot of you guys are going to be upset, but I said it because we are in the Salt Lake City church. Okay? When I tell you, we all knew what was coming. We didn't know how it was coming. We didn't know exactly what was coming, but we all had heard for a couple of weeks that Monica was behind this Instagram account, Reality Von Tees, okay? 
We had seen it on Reddit. We had seen it on Facebook groups. Other Instagram accounts were talking about it. We knew that this was coming out. We also knew that Monica had sued Beauty Lab or countersued Beauty Lab because she wasn't paying her bills on time. So we knew those things, but we didn't know what that call was that Heather got. We didn't know specifically what was going to come out in that finale. And we surely didn't know that we were going to find out about the black eye. So black eye, just in case you guys didn't hear me. <laughs> One time I said the black eye and someone said, what black eye? And I'm like, no, black eye, black eye, not black eye. Okay. So we, um, we start off this scene, the, 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 the drama, the intensity of the show. I have to rewatch it. I'm going to watch it for the third time. I think I just want to say one thing and one thing only. If any time on this show, in the entirety of the series, we lose the foursome of Heather, Whitney, Meredith, and Lisa, don't give me the show. I need those four together. That scene of Heather summoning the four of them into the windy, stormy beach scene right before they go to this dinner in their gowns, in full makeup. Where was Monica and where was Angie? That's all I wanted to know. How did they not know that was happening? Did crew pull them in for interviews? I thought that was that kind of interesting. Like, did the crew, did Heather say, this is the plan? I'm going to have this conversation right now. You got to get Monica and Angie in a place that they have no idea we're having this conversation. It was phenomenal. Yes, Emily says like a witch's coven. It was like watching a scene from Hocus Pocus, <laughs> but like better, right? Heather says, I have something to say. And this is the thing about damn Heather. I freaking love her. And Heather Gay deserves all the awards because her delivery and her timing and her words, as if she was reading a freaking script from Martin Scorsese, this woman delivered gold on this episode. The way she did it, the time, everything was so fucking perfect. It was insane. But her telling the girls, I have something to tell you and Lisa, in, in typical Lisa fashion, like, oh no, I'm nervous. I'm going to cry. Heather, you're crying. Heather, Heather, you're crying. Which I thought was interesting because like, yeah, <laughs> Heather, you're crying. Oh, Meredith's face is, whoa, I'm so sick of people hurting me. Whitney's like, huh? Face of confusion. Whitney and Teresa from, from Golden Bachelor, I feel like have a little bit of a connection there, right? Like, huh? And then, and then Heather's delivery. She is behind reality Vontese. But we don't know this yet because the way that the editing of the show, it does that and then it cuts to earlier in the day. Now we see a scene between Monica and Whitney and they wake up, wake up. Whitney undoes the covers. Oh, so bright. This woman is ready for dinner in this scene. She has makeup on that I've never seen before. I mean, she is fully made up. She's going to the Oscars, but it's morning. That was confusing to me. They have just kind of a BS conversation about Heather and about the stuff that happened the night before. Then we see, you know, Whitney and all of this, like I said, is just set up for what's going to happen later. But Whitney goes on to 
um, into Heather's room. They have this conversation, such a passive aggressive, weird conversation where Whitney just like, again, is trying to find story just like with Justin. Like she's just trying to find some story where she's like, I am so mad at, you know, being sexually used in that scene. Like, and Heather's like, what? I told you every single thing. Like, why are you bringing this up now? I'm obviously team Heather in that, in that, that situation. We move on. Um, I don't even think there was any more filler scenes because then I think like we kind of slowly or pretty fast got to that dinner. Now the dinner starts. So we know that what had happened on the beach was before dinner and then we're at dinner, but we don't know that Heather has actually released the information of reality to Von Tees. Now we know watching because we all see the live stuff in real life, but the girls like watching the show, if you didn't know that stuff, like if you weren't on Instagram or Reddit or Facebook or anything, you wouldn't know what she was revealing, right? It was the, it was a buildup. Like you wouldn't believe they sit at this Bermuda triangle dinner, which is very reminiscent of squid games. I just watched it. We have Whitney and Monica on one side, poor Whitney got stuck with the devil. We have Angie and Heather and we have Lisa and Meredith and the six of them are sitting together and the dinner starts with the game. And the game has those same dolls that they were at when they were shaking the butter. And they decide to play a game. I mean, this was a little joke, right? Like, I mean, this was a little embarrassing, right? It was a little over the top. But they decide to play a game where they're going to pick up whatever doll they have. And they're going to ask, like, what is the unsolved mystery about you? So they go back and forth and they're playing. Like, Whitney decides to have a little drama with Lisa or whatever about certain things. Am I dramatic? Yes, you're dramatic. Everyone take 15 shots. Oliver, my son, my eight-year-old, came into my bed while during the scene. And he's like, Mom, you have to take 15 shots. It was, it was very cute. Okay. Uh, not cute, but it was just very like, I was like wait, waiting to get to it. Like I was like, get to the story. Um, Heather, I can't recap her, her delivery of calling Monica out in any way that does her justice because it's one of those things you have to rewatch. But the way she calls Monica out slowly, methodically, and to the build, it was so Scooby-Doo. You are the killer. Monica's mind, you could see in that moment, was completely like, oh, shit, right? D didn't you guys feel that? Like, for the first time, Monica almost didn't have anything to say, except like, that is not true. That is not true. And she was really, 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 um, you know, uh like defensive, first of all, oh my God, no. And then she finally does admit that she is part of this account. Now, Reality Von Tees, and I listened to um, the podcast, The Bravo Docket, which is um, really, really good. They cover the entire thing because they had relationships with Reality Von Tees in the DMs like for months. Because this was before I even showed up as Daily Dose of Donna. This was 2022. And Reality Von Tees is a fan account like an Instagram, you know, Finsta fake account. There's a ton of them out there that you don't know who's behind them. And they're posting a ton of stuff about these shows. Well, this one was very, very intentional on taking Jen Shaw down. And I don't want to get into like the nitty gritty of the details of like when Monica did this and who did that and Tanisha and this. Tanisha is Heather Gay's hairstylist who basically was the whistleblower here and, and gave all the information. But essentially they found her out 
this woman was behind an account that apparently not only took Jen Shaw down consistently, but by collateral damage and various ways harassed, bullied, and trolled all of those women. This is shit that is your wildest nightmare, that you become best friends with the enemy. These women let this woman into their lives, and that's the enemy. It's like inviting you know, it's like inviting page six to your intimate, like, you know, therapy session. It's awful, awful, awful. Um, then, then Monica starts getting very mean, right? Because her first words are defense. And then she's like, no, I didn't. F you, F you. And the way she goes after Lisa Barlow, F you, you dumb B, you old looking B, 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 B. And of course, Oliver's still there. And I had to like send him out after that because he watched, he loves Real Houses of Salt Lake City, but he's bummed that Mary's not on it because that's her fav- his favorite character. But he was watching it and he was like, mom, why are they saying the B word so much? And I'm like, F if I know. Just kidding. I didn't say that. But I was like, wait, what? So they were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I, I was like, wow, at some point, Heather and Angie and all the girls are on the same table. Like, I have no idea how Heather and Angie moved over there, but Angie like got, gets up, Angie gets pissed. And Monica then starts to try to throw Angie under the bus because Angie had DM'd with Reality Vontis, not knowing it was Monica, just like laughing at her making fun of the other women. So it's crazy, you guys. It's crazy. It was so, so bad. It was so insane. And I can only imagine what Monica was going through. Although in some diabolical way, Monica probably loved every second of it. But it would be my worst nightmare to be on the other side of that those women. Angie gets up and pretends to throw the flowers. Lisa gets up and the production crew is opening and closing the door behind. It is windy. It's cold. You see like so many fourth walls were broken. You saw 500 cameramen in the scene. Like everything was wild. Meredith was crying. Whitney was crying. Meredith was hugging on... I mean, you have never, but then Heather stands up and she says, we are a ride or die group, which I don't fully agree with, but she is so hurt, Heather, and so traumatized. I think she has major PTSD from what went down with Jen because Heather, you guys have to remember, comes from a pretty tough childhood, like abuse and all that with Mormonism. And it's, it's gotta be a little bit of that, that she felt the need to protect Jen. But she said, and that's how I got the black eye. And we all remember that black eye from last year when they went on vacation. And I saw a theory on Reddit, which I thought was so interesting. They cut back to the scene. And when I tell you, I jumped when I saw Jen Shaw's face. Did anyone else? Like you forgot how like pulled her face was. They brought Meredith into the room. The morning after, when Meredith had her eye things, her eye masks on, Heather had her sunglasses. They brought her into the room. This was a a Reddit theory. And they said, you know, Jen and, and Heather sat there and they said, look at this. And they took off her sunglasses, Heather, and they showed this black eye. And Meredith was like, oh my God, how did that happen? Well, Meredith was there the night before. And I believe that Jen and Heather both wanted to lie about it, but couldn't lie if they thought anyone knew. So they brought in Meredith to gauge whether or not Meredith remembered. Well, Meredith, luckily, luckily for her, I should say, um, had a really fun night the night before and did not see it. 
did not remember. So that's how they were able to pull off that they didn't know how she got this. Now, I think it would have just been easier if Heather said, yeah, we were just drunk and having a pillow fight and I got knocked in the face. Like it would have been so much easier. I don't know why this kind of like hold off of, I don't, I can't say how, I can't say how. I have no idea. But um, they, anyway, anyway, they, they, she explains that she got the black eye from Jen. She said, you can leave. No, she didn't. That was Monica saying it to Angie in Palm Springs. But Heather said, Monica, get out of this house. Monica walks off with a blanket looking like a poor, you know, sad girl. I don't mean poor like financially. I just mean just like, you know, like a loser. Honestly, she felt like a loser, I bet. And I looked at her like a loser. And it does come out at the end of the episode that she's like, there is more to the story. And that's why I imagine we're going to be watching the reunion. But what I thought was really interesting was how Heather reacted after the big reveal. Heather had been holding on to this, I think, for a few weeks. I think she had gotten kind of like indications and intuitions and little hits. And so she was holding on to this for this moment. I also don't know if she was ready to talk about the black eye until she spoke about the black eye. And when she did speak about finally revealing that black eye and that she was hiding this for Jen and she was protecting Jen the whole time, I think the release she had was something like probably so, just so big. You know, when you're holding onto a secret for so long and you finally let it out. It's crazy. Okay. One final thing I'm going to talk about with this because we're going to go deeper in this, into this tomorrow. That's what she said. One more thing. I'm going to talk about it before I have to go. A video was released on Reddit, probably from Tanisha. That is the woman that also ran Reality Vontese. That was Heather's <laughs> hairstylist. Very confusing how that all happened. And she's the one that's leaking all of this out. She leaked a video that Monica secretly recorded of her and her diabolical, toxic mother, LD Millionaire, months ago after the Easter event at Monica's house. And this three and a half minute video is something that is so damn dark, it might as well be called true crime. Because Monica is so mad at her mom for the way that her mom treated her at that Easter dinner. And Monica's mom says, this is not what you were hired for. Your job was to get on the show and get as much airtime. You're an actress. You have been bringing all these other women together. That's not your job. Your job is to be an actress and get in every single scene. It's called, It's a show and you missed the assignment. And Monica's like, are you joking? Lori, Lori's a producer, by the way. I looked. Lori said I did the best and like everyone needed to do better after I did on that show. Yeah, because she's a mess and she's yelling at her mom and her mom is yelling at her about falling down the stairs and they are literally the most toxic two people. It's a TLC show waiting to happen or even worse. It is so incredibly uncomfortable to watch the two of them. Monica is a horrendous human being. Monica's mom is a horrendous human being. Monica's kids are screwed. Monica has not done any better for her children, in my opinion, than her mom has done for her. To go on the show in this way, to go on TV in this way, to use your time as a mother of four, to take down other people behind the scenes on an Instagram account, it's troll behavior beyond, beyond disgusting. Disgusting. 
These two are disgusting. And that being said, I don't know how Salt Lake City comes back without her. I don't know. I don't know. It was phenomenal TV. We will all be turning into the three-part reunion. I cannot wait for it. I really hope we see more. But Monica is a disgusting human being. Scary, like beyond diabolical, scary, scary human being. I would never want her anywhere near me, no matter what for the rest. Like you think it was hard for Ariana to film with Tom Sandoval? Nothing beats this. This is scary shit. Love you guys. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here after yesterday's snafu. Um, And once again, leave a comment, say hi, and join the Facebook group. And I will see you guys tomorrow where we're going to deep dive more into this Monica drama, all the stuff that was coming out with cease and desist from Jen Shaw to Reality Bonte, so much more. I'm going to gather it all and we'll talk all about that plus Southern Charm, which will be on tonight. I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye, loves.